listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, volunteer for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, mom and photographer. Thanks for joining me today, Michelle. Thank you for having me today, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners. We are actually recording today via Zoom in this age of social distancing. We're recording this in late May, but this episode will be released on June 22nd. By then, we'd normally be well into our open house season at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, which is just uh, about 10 or 15 minutes away from my home, but not this year. What a strange season this is, with most lighthouses pretty much closed indefinitely, although a small number of them are open with restrictions. I definitely miss being at the lighthouse right now. I think it was yesterday was our one year from our opening last year. So yeah, so I'm definitely missing being there, but I think we're doing the best thing right now. Memorial Day would have been the opening of our season, and I definitely miss the lighthouse. I've only been able to, to visit there very briefly a couple of times. I miss the lighthouse. I miss you and all the, the people we, uh, we normally see over there. At least you and I can see each other through the magic of Zoom. Yep. Uh, the last time you and I had a recording session, we did it over the phone. I think this is better. Uh, we can see each other. And also, I think the, the sound is better doing it this way rather than over the phone. Yeah, I think this is better. That way we can see each other and feed off cues and things like that, too. So. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, over the last couple of months, I've had a number of people tell me, mostly by email, that they've discovered the podcasts uh, recently and that they've listened to every episode during the lockdown or uh, quarantine or whatever you want to call it. In fact, I got an email today from Cole Altman, who uh, said that she's binge listened to every episode. That's great. He's been, been home uh, mostly the last couple of months. So it's, it's great to hear that kind of thing. A number of people have told me that the entertainment and information contained in the podcasts has helped them, but that it's, it's made them more anxious to go out and visit the lighthouses when things get uh, more or less back to normal. It sounds like we're doing our jobs then if they feel that way. Well, today we're traveling, at least in our minds, to a really interesting lighthouse that's just a couple of hours up the coast from here. Seguin Lighthouse in Maine. We'll be listening to a conversation I had with Cindy Carney, who's the executive director of the Friends of Seguin Island Light Station. Michelle, please help me tell our listeners about Seguin Lighthouse. Sure thing, Jeremy. When the explorer Samuel de Champlain sailed past Seguin Island, two and a half miles out to sea at the mouth of the Kennebec River in Maine in 1612, he commented that it looked like a giant tortoise. The name Seguin is said by some to be a corruption of an Indian word that means place where the sea vomits. Others claim that it originates from the Indian word for hump. Either way, it's appropriate. 55 local merchants petitioned the General Court of Massachusetts for a lighthouse on Seguin Island in June 1786. At that time, there were only three light stations on the coast north of Boston, at Thatcher Island off Cape Ann, at Portsmouth Harbor in New Hampshire, and at Portland Head in Maine. Seguin's light station was approved by President George Washington in 1793. The buildings were completed in 1796. 
The tower had to be rebuilt in 1819 and then again in 1857 when the 53-foot stone tower that still stands was constructed along with the duplex keeper's house. Also in 1857, a new 9-foot tall first order Fresnel lens was installed and that lens remains in operation today. Over a period of 31 years, the station was foggy 15% of the time. In 1907, the island set an all-time main mark for fogginess, 2,374 hours, or about 31% of the year. A 10-inch steam fog whistle was installed by 1873, replacing a fog bell. Because of the steep quarter-mile climb up to the lighthouse, a tramway system was installed in 1895, with tracks leading from the boathouse up to the keeper's house. Supplies were loaded into a car that was brought up more than 1,000 feet on the tracks by means of a hoisting engine. Seguin became a males-only station under the Coast Guard in 1963. The light was automated in 1985 and the keepers were removed. After automation in 1985, the future of the station was uncertain. Concerned local citizens led by Ann Webster founded the Friends of Seguin Island Light Station in 1986. Three years later, the Friends received a lease on the property from the Coast Guard. In February 1998, under the Main Lights program, ownership of the property was transferred to the group. Grants and donations paid for the restoration of the Keeper's House. Since 1990, caretakers have lived at Seguin in the summer. In recent years, public access to the island has mainly been via the Seguin Island Ferry from Fort Popham. There are hiking trails on the island, and there's a museum and gift shop in the Keeper's House. There are also overnight stays available in the Keeper's House for members of Friends of Seguin Island Light Station, and there's a campground on the island. This year, of course, things are a little different with the COVID-19 pandemic, as we'll be discussing in a few minutes. Cindy Carney has been with Friends of Seguin Island Light Station for over 20 years. She has served in many capacities and now serves in the role of Executive Director. She's also the former executive director of the Midcoast Hunger Prevention Program based in Brunswick, Maine. I spoke with Cindy in early May. Let's listen to that conversation now. I am speaking with Cindy Carney, who is the executive director of the Friends of Seguin Island Light Station. Cindy, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And I should mention that we're speaking on May Day, on May 1st, 2020, and it's a gloomy May Day here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where I am, and I guess up in Phippsburg, Maine, where you are as well. But I should wish you a happy May Day, Cindy. Thank you, and also to you. Why don't we start uh, by talking a little bit about your personal association with Seguin Island, which I think is one of the most historic and interesting and, and beautiful lighthouses, light stations in New England. Uh, so how did you personally get involved with Seguin Island uh, yourself? Well, my next door neighbor was involved as a volunteer. So he asked if I wanted to volunteer. And the first time I went out there, that was the hook. It's all it takes. <laughs> and that was more than 20 years ago. Is that right? Yes. Yes. was 25 years ago now. My daughter just turned 30 and it was when she was five years old. So she also has been going out all, all this time and she's planning on getting married out there next summer. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Seguin is steeped in our personal history now. 
you know, I think that's about when I when I first went out there. Well, it's a little longer than the first time I went out there. I would say I think it was about ninety seven or ninety eight the first mm-hmm. time I, I went out back in the mm-hmm. uh, Ann Webster Wallace uh, who started the organization. Days, right, I and went, that's when we got our deed. Yeah, I went out nineteen ninety eight. I went out with her a couple of times and her husband Troy. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's when I, uh, I th- actually the first couple of times I tried to go out, it was, I think from the uh, main maritime museum and we were not able to land. I believe the first two times I tried mm-hmm. to go out because the, uh, the seas were too rough, which I know is not, mm-hmm. not an uncommon occurrence around there. Definitely not. It's <laughs> very, I mean, we were supposed to go out this past week, uh, and that didn't happen. So we're, pulling for next Wednesday, but we never know. And we're trying to open with the solar people, get them out there and get the solar system up and running. Okay. And we're just being delayed week by week by the um, weather. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's notoriously rough around the, the mouth of the Kennebec, of course. We'll talk more about that in a couple mm. of minutes. But And I do also want to talk uh, about how the, the current pandemic situation is affecting really everything. Before we get into that, let's pretend for a moment that everything is normal. Let's talk about how people usually get to Seguin Island. That's changed a few times over the years. There's been different boat operators who provided access to the island. Right now, I believe there's a Seguin ferry that operates from Fort Popham. Is that correct? Yes. Captain Ethan DeBerry runs a ferry from Fort Popham to Seguin uh, once a day, four days a week. And it runs from 1045, and it gets back to the dock around 230. So you have a couple hours to enjoy walking the trail, taking a tour of the tower, having a picnic lunch on the grounds very pleasant several hours yeah it's it's an all-day trip and can people come in their own boats as well we welcome mariners in their own boats we have six moorings in the cove that they can use there is a first come first serve basis so the moorings do get filled up in the middle of the summer you can nest up if you want and you have a friendly mariner beside you there are no dinghies or docks so you have to get along uh, on shore by your own dinghy and if you take the ferry they have their own dinghy so you'll be dinghy to shore by the ferry's tender yeah that was actually i was going to ask you about that again as we were saying the the waters around there are frequently kind of rough and there's no dock on the island so landing can be Uh, a little on the tricky side, would you say? I would say most of the time it's on the tricky side. Come prepared to get your bottom half of your body wet (laughs) and uh, walk some steep trails, eat some sweet blackberries, uh, meet some sweet caretakers, (laughs) and just enjoy the view. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've done all of those things I know when I visited there. I won't mention, well, I guess I'd have to mention it now. I'm starting to mention it. But the one time I got my (laughs) entire body wet, uh, my wife and I, one of the the visits with uh, Ann Webster and uh, Troy Wallace, we were Uh on our way back. The seas got very rough and the waves were going right over the boat. But uh, that was was, uh, pretty extreme. But it it had nothing to do with landing on the island. It was just the... uh, 
the seas really picked up on the way back and the waves were yeah drenching us and and they're on you know we're on their small boat on the way back but anyway that was a long time ago but very memorable very memorable that hasn't changed (laughs) yeah that routine has not changed over the years it's still the same i'll never forget that we were totally drenched and had to drive back to massachusetts right after we got back oh but, my gosh <laughs> anyway uh once uh so you, as you were saying uh when people land at the island they get uh, typically uh they get again how much time on the island uh normally about two and a half hours two and three quarter hours yeah and tell me about some of the things, uh, some of the activities they normally do on the island. I know there's a museum in the keeper's house and they get to climb the tower. Is that right? Yes, we have a museum uh, with a couple rooms in it that date back to 1795. Actually, before that, there's information there about the light ships and so forth as well. And that goes all the way up to the Coast Guard era and the, the automation of the light. We also have a gift shop where we sell memorabilia, and we give tours of the tower. There are 38 steps up to the top of the tower, and that's really nothing once you've climbed the hill to get there. (laughs) Right. So we usually give you a little break and then show you the tower, and then you're free to meander around the gift shop, the museum, the trails. There are five walking trails, the beautiful benches to have picnic lunches on. Oh, it's a beautiful place. And... You mentioned uh, caretakers on the island. Uh, tell, tell me more about that. How does the uh, caretaker program work? The caretakers are hired from Memorial Day to Labor Day every year. It's usually a couple, but it can be a family. It has to be a minimum of two people for safety reasons. And they come and they keep the lawn mowed. They keep the trails whacked. They keep the visitors happy. They give tours, they clean the Clivus toilet, they make sure the safety of the visitors is good at all times. So we will still have keepers this year, and they will still perform perform those duties without giving tours of the tower or running the gift shop or the museum. I, I had a couple of memorable visits uh, where I, I met the uh, keepers or caretakers back uh, in the early 2000s. I remember in 2001, I visited with uh, Jean Guichard, the famous uh, French photographer. He took that very famous picture uh-huh. of the, the wave wrapping around the bottom of the La Jumant lighthouse. Yeah, uh, And yeah. Uh, when we I visited with him for sunset, the caretakers were a young couple from Colorado. They were, they were young then. That yeah. was 20 years ago. Jim Spacey. Woods. That was Jim Woods and Chris Pescatori. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if you remember them, but... Uh, yeah, Jim Woods idolized Jean Guichard. He had his that he said as a kid he had that poster of that famous picture up on his wall, and he said that's what made him want to live at a lighthouse and made him want to be oh, a lighthouse wow. keeper. So he got to meet Jean Guichard. So that was that was very memorable. Oh my goodness! And then yeah. and then in 2005, I visited when the Denkers family was there, and I believe they were there yeah. for like for like ten years or something like that. Well, they weren't that we, uh, our keepers can only be keepers for one year because we like to share the wealth. Mm-hmm. And we have a fall keeper program where alumni keepers come back in the fall. They start on Labor Day and they work through Columbus Day. So we have an alumni keeper program as well. Okay. 
Well, I guess I'm thinking the Dinkers, I think, were there at the beginning of the season a bunch of times to help get things ready. Yes. That's, yeah. They came back several seasons to get the things ready for the keepers. And it was only 2012 or 2013 that we had the keepers come out with us when we opened. So they're part of the initial mowing, taking the screens off, setting the house up, um, clearing the trails. So they're all part of that now. Mm-hmm. Although last year's keepers, they wanted to come later and have it all done. They kind of freaked out that so much needed to be done at the beginning. But that's the way it is. So in addition to the uh, the, the caretakers or, or keepers living out there, there's also overnight stays for the public. I know yeah. uh, not this year, but uh, normally there are overnight stays uh, above the museum and the keeper's house. Tell, mm-hmm. tell me about that. What are the accommodations like? Well, it's it's like a cute little cottage. It has two bedrooms. One bedroom has two single beds in it. The other bedroom has a double bed and a single bed. There is a bathroom with a working shower and sink and a composting toilet. And there's a kitchenette where there's a small refrigerator, coffee maker, microwave. And there is a grill available to guests as well. People have to bring their own food and water. We have bedding, so we take care of the bedding. Is there a, a limit on number of, or, or is there a, I should ask, is there a minimum number of nights uh, people stay there? One is the minimum, two is the maximum, and five is the maximum amount of people. Okay. And there's also a campground on the island, right? There is a campground, yep. Um, it holds quite a few people, but we're, we only allow one top two groups at a time. So let's, uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. And one of the things that Seguin is, I think, widely known for, it's known for a bunch of things. For one thing, it's the, the highest light above the water in Maine. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's one of the oldest light stations in, in New England. And it's it's got a famous one of the most famous ghost stories of any any lighthouse <laughs> any lighthouse in the country. It's been, that ghost story has been told and written about so many times. Maybe oh, maybe we goodness. can before we're done. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But I was going to ask you right now about the the lens. Uh, it, it is very well known for its first order Fresnel lens. Uh, it's the only first order lens uh, in northern New England. It's one of only two operational first-order Fresnel lenses in, in New England. Is that something that a lot of visitors are interested in? Or would you say that's a, a big attraction for people? We do get light seekers who are they're just installed with lighthouses, and they come with their lighthouse passports, Yeah, and they come with great, huge eyes open, and, you know, they want to touch everything, and take pictures of everything and hear everything. It's it's wonderful when those people come to the island because they're just such enthusiasts. Seguin is the kind of place you can enjoy without ever seeing a lighthouse. It's a beautiful place, and the lighthouse adds some maritime history, and the lens is magical. Those prisms allow the light to be seen 25 miles out to sea, and the light is only a small 1,000-watt light bulb. Yeah, oh, it, it is magical is the word for it. There's, there's no doubt yeah. about that. I always call them works of functional art. 
uh, those lenses. Yeah, definitely. It's just, and the kids all love the magic of the rainbows on the side. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's something for everybody in that magic of that lens. And you can go out onto the catwalk and look at it right there oh, right. from outside. Sure, yeah. So sure, that's yeah. really special. And uh, speaking, this is related to the lens, one of the big changes in, in recent history was that the uh, there used to be a cable from shore that provided power, provided uh, for the electricity, and that was done away with by the Coast Guard. So there's been uh, a recent change in, in power out there. So maybe you could tell us about that. Sure. It was huge news to us last April that the power cable running from Papa Beach to Seguin had been deemed unsafe by the Coast Guard and they were turning the cable off. So we scrambled for a good month and a half to raise money for a generator, which we did, and we had it flown out by helicopter, and we ran on generator for the season of 2019. It was very limiting. We couldn't have guests. We couldn't, you know, have the toaster oven and the stove going at the same time, (laughs) that kind of thing. But this year, we are raising money for a solar system, and uh, we have paid for all the equipment and it is now coming in and we will start paying for labor pretty soon here. So we're looking for donations to help us do that. And that is going to be flown out where we expected to do that next week. But um, by the time this airs, the solar system should be in and running. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's just another phase. We've gone from whale oil to, you know, kerosene generators to electricity and now to solar <laughs> yeah that's that's amazing congratulations that is really really exciting thank yeah. you it's going to be so great to to see that in place uh and you, you really moved fast on that you know it's really impressive to see how fast uh, you and the, the organization moved when that that uh, surprise change happened <laughs> And, mm-hmm. and of mm-hmm. course, of course, back uh, some years ago when the Coast Guard announced that the lens was going to be removed, there was a, a, a push to uh, to keep it in place, and uh, that was impressive too. To, because you know, to remove that lens w- would be a, a great loss. So that was that was. So a, Gwyn a is a beautiful thing. place, mm-hmm. but that lens is so special. Yeah, in its own right. To have, to have a, an operating lens still in its uh, its natural environment like that it's so so different from having mm-hmm. it or, from having it to have them in a museum that, that's a great thing too but there's so few of those large lenses still in place and in, in uh, still operating in lighthouses you know it's mm-hmm. it's a, a great thing for people to see so yeah. this year uh, obviously is different in so many ways but Typically, uh, in a typical season at Seguin, uh, are there a lot of volunteers you have uh, doing things, keeping busy on the island? We have a core group of who we call Wednesday warriors. The, the keepers traditionally come off on Wednesdays and get their laundry done and their provisions and so forth. And so when that happens, a volunteer group goes out and acts as docents while the keepers are gone and also works on things like the tram, painting, roof, you name it. We're doing it out there while the keepers are gone on Wednesdays. So there's a limited amount of people that can go out just because of boats. 
Uh, we have one boat, and it can hold six people. So if somebody comes up with their own boat, they could come out with us and maybe take more people. We have plenty of people that want to go. It's just a matter of finding space for them or finding boats to get them out there. we got plenty of work. And is there an ongoing... It's the access to the island that's difficult yeah. for anybody. Sure, sure. And is there an ongoing need for new volunteers? If there are people listening to this or maybe in your general area, uh, can they contact you about that? Certainly, and we need volunteers that aren't on the island, too. We need volunteers with fundraisers. We need volunteers with publicity. We need volunteers with marketing. We need volunteers with financial knowledge, legal knowledge. You know, we are, our gr needs are great. They don't just, everybody wants to go on the island, <laughs> but we need other things aside from that too. How can people find information, including contact information? How do people get in touch with you? The website is seguinisland.org. It's not terribly current, but the contact information has been the same for 25 years. So Sure. And there's a, probably a Facebook page as well? There is a Facebook page and an Instagram Okay. Account. I'm familiar with the Facebook page. I don't think I've seen the Instagram account, so I'll have to have to look that up. Yeah, my, my daughter's in charge of that. If it's not updated, it's her fault. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. Can you tell me, do you know how, about how many visitors you get on the island in a, in a typical season? Around 2,500. Wow. That's is our average. Yeah, that's really good for an island light station where, you know, access is somewhat difficult. I'd say that's pretty impressive. Right. Well, I think the Seguin Island Ferry has added quite a bit, carries 30 people a day. Well, that's really good, I think. At this point, are there any uh, restoration projects of any kind? Are there anything in the, in the pipeline right now? Yes. Um, we are still working on the tram, and that's going to be probably a 10- to 20-year project. Um, we got a study done on the bricks, so eventually, maybe 10 years down the line, we're going to be doing that. In the meantime, we just finished the roof on the Whistle House uh, in 2019. This year, we're really concentrating on the tram and the solar system and changing out things like the refrigerator and the well pump and all that stuff to make it all compatible with the solar system. There's always something. <laughs> you've, and you've got a bunch there's, of buildings. Uh, there's plenty of work to be done out there. There's All the little stuff is always there and you've got a bunch of buildings and you've got the the tram, tram there are six buildings yeah. and the tram mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you've got more than than a lot of uh lighthouse organizations have to worry about for sure mm -hmm. so and 64 acres to keep up yeah wow that's that's a lot so let's uh, talk a little bit more about the current situation with the pandemic. Now, I know you made an announcement about basically uh, things being closed, except for, uh, I believe, private boaters are allowed to land and the trails are open. But could you could you say a little bit more about that? Yes, we're just closing the tower. Um, we can't safely distance ourselves in the museum or the gift shop or the tower. So we have to close those three things. The Clivus toilet at the bottom of the hill will still be open. We'll be cleaning that on a daily basis. And the trails will still be open. 
I know I've been trying to track what's going on with lighthouses all over the country. Of course, a lot of lighthouses in, in New England, you know, tend their the season tends to start around Memorial Day. I think some are still mm -hmm. in, at this point. You know, we're talking again on May first, and a lot of lot seem to be in kind of a holding pattern. Some have canceled for the season. Some are uh, say they're planning to open maybe you know July or August or something like that. But a lot really seem to be in a holding pattern. Uh, some with overnight stays have canceled the season already. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's yeah. My my reservations open today, and by six o'clock this morning, I had two people wanting to reserve a room. <laughs> we're uh, navigating you know uncharted waters here all of us so uh, yes yeah it's a strange tr strange time but hope hopefully we'll be back to normal by next season that's the best oh yeah yeah sure hope so but let me ask you a uh, uh, one more question for bonus points uh what ha <laughs> what has been your favorite thing about your association with Seguin Island Oh, my favorite thing of all was being allowed to be keeper in 2007. <laughs> Why was that so special? Well, I got to spend three and a half months on the island with my next-door neighbor who had just graduated from college. So I had this young, energetic, totally enthusiastic, happy person to be with for three and a half months of my life. And to be on Seguin... In that situation, you couldn't have asked for a better three and a half months. That sounds sounds really good. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a great memory. And, uh, you know, again, I want to say that, uh, you know, my personal association with Seguin Island goes back nearly 25 years, I would say. And it is one yeah. of, it is one yeah. of, yeah, it's one of my favorite light stations, both for its history and for its beauty. And I want to thank you and the organization for keeping me on your mailing list. I get the, your your newsletter in the mail all the time, and not that many oh, organizations, not that many lighthouse organizations, still send out uh, newsletters by mail. So I appreciate that. And right, I, well, I, we have about two thousand on our mailing list, but only about six hundred in emails. So uh huh, that's why we still send them out. Yeah, well, I, I truly appreciate it because. I've been, I have to admit, I've been a paid member off and on over the years, but whether or not I've kept up my, my, uh, you know, paid membership, you've kept me on the mailing list. And I, <laughs> I sincerely, I sincerely appreciate it. I enjoy the newsletter and I try to keep up on, I try to keep up on what you're doing. So again, thank you and congratulations on everything you've uh, accomplished and everything you keep doing out there because uh, you're really uh, a very impressive organization. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for spending this time with me today. And again, happy May Day and the sun is supposed to come out tomorrow. So enjoy that. It's supposed to be 65 and sunny tomorrow. So... So, Looking forward to that. Yeah, get outside and enjoy it. Just maintain that social distance from other people. And mm -hmm. Put on your mask if you go into any stores or anything. You know you know the drill. But, I know the drill. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Cindy Carney. I, I really thank appreciate you, it. Thank you, Jeremy. All right. Thank Best you. of luck to you. Stay healthy. <laughs> Thank you.
In the interview with Cindy Carney, we mentioned the famous ghost story of Seguin Island. It's kind of hard to talk about Seguin Lighthouse without telling its famous ghost story, so let's tell it. It's one of those stories you have to start by saying, they say. In other words, I'm not guaranteeing that any part of the story is true, but it is famous. Michelle, please start the story. Okay, Jeremy. They say that in the mid-1800s, a lighthouse keeper and his wife lived on the island. The keeper's wife was very bored and asked her husband for a piano. He bought her the piano and it was brought out to the island and delivered by a crew from a schooner and carried up the steep hill to the keeper's house. But unfortunately, with the piano, there was only one piece of sheet music. The keeper's wife quickly learned how to play that one song but because it was all she knew, she would play the song over and over and over again until it drove her husband insane. He grabbed an ax they had for chopping firewood, destroyed the piano, and murdered his wife. He then killed himself. They say that the ghost of the lighthouse keeper has been seen by many people since then. They also say that if you are on Seguin Island on a quiet day, you'll probably hear soft piano music drifting in the breeze. The same song the keeper's wife played over and over. There's no record of a murder or suicide on Seguin Island. There's no evidence that any of that really happened but there have been many people who claim they've experienced strange things. A woman I know told me she was on the island for the first time years ago. She had never heard the story about the piano and she knew nothing about any ghost story. She was walking around by herself and she heard soft, pretty piano music. She went to the caretaker and she asked who was playing the piano. He said there was no piano and nobody was playing music, so she must have heard the ghost. So who knows? Thanks again to Cindy Carney, Executive Director of the Friends of Seguin Island Light Station. For more information, check out their website at seguinisland.org. Again, the Seguin Island Ferry isn't running this year, and the Keeper's House and Lighthouse Tower are closed to visitors. But the trails on the island are open to visitors arriving in their own boat. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Thanks as always to all the members, staff, and volunteers of the U.S. Lighthouse Society at the Point No Point Lighthouse in Hansville, Washington, and everywhere. And thanks to everyone who works for the preservation of lighthouses and their history. A shout out to everyone in the Friends of New England Lighthouses Facebook group and all the other Facebook groups where people talk about lighthouses and post their photos and news. Social media is a great way for people to share their passion and love for lighthouses. You know, I was thinking about Seguin Island and I was looking for quotes about islands. The writer Jay Otheron once wrote, quote, even islands are connected by water. Nature knows that without connection, there is no love, and without love, there is no survival." 
unquote. As always, thanks for listening and keep a good light. Shine.